0: Hey, I'm Scott, and uh, it's good to see you all this morning. Great to be in this place. Just got to get a look, look at who's all here. All right, welcome. Nice to see you all. I want to start with a quote this morning. Up on the screen, a friend of mine, Barb, as I call her, Barbara Brown-Taylor, Uh, She says, until someone grabs a partner and heads to the dance floor, the tango is no more than a list of steps on the wall. The same is true of faith. We have inherited a sacred pattern, a series of artful steps meant to lead us closer to God and each other. But until someone finds a partner and gives it a try, it is an idea and not a dance. We've spent about the last five months in a series on the Apostles' Creed. And really, it's uh, a lot like this quote. Uh, We've been studying a lot of the lists, uh, the steps on the wall kind of thing. Uh, But unless we choose to actively believe into the Creed and dance with it, um, they're just ideas. Uh, So also, we do this in community, not alone. It's not a solitude venture, but we do this together because we need each other. And uh, in this series, I would say, uh, humbly, that we are only scratching the surface, that there's so much to dig into in these statements of the creed. Uh, It's not a comprehensive, uh, it's not comprehensive in its nature. Yes, we've gone very slowly through it. We've spent weeks on specific phrases, but it's not fully comprehensive. The creed is just an outline of the faith not a comprehensive confession. That's why I think it's important that we read the creed through the lens of Scripture and through the narrative of Scripture, through the creation, through the fall, through the story of Israel, the prophets, the gospel, redemption, and the kingdom here, the kingdom not fully here yet. Uh, And so today, this is the last of all the sermons and the teaching on the Apostles' Creed And we're affectionately calling it uh, Amen Sunday or Amen Sunday. Uh, And I love that we're doing this because there's been a lot going on. We've spent, uh, I think it was 17 sermons, almost five months. We had a brief break in there. I don't know if you remember to focus on worship. Discussions, I'm sure, at lunch tables and in neighborhood groups. Uh, And this, today, is a chance to exhale. So if you've come here... And you've not been a part of our uh, series on the Apostles' Creed. I don't think you'll. Uh, I don't think you'll feel out of place. I hope that there'll be a welcome for all that's here, all, everyone that's here that can we can welcome, uh, we can enter into this. So um, this is the uh, this is like a massive exhale today, and I have got a few things planned, uh, but just want to start even physically, just doing that together. Would you all take a big breath in with me? Breathe in. Two, three, and out. Yeah. That's what I hope today will be, is a, a bit of an exhale. Uh, but what are we saying, even, when we say amen? And how do we pronounce it, even? Is it amen? Are we English? More English? Amen? Or are we more American? Amen? Amen? Or maybe we're more, more Hebrew, and the original translation of the word, if I'm not mistaken, is amen. So maybe we should start saying that. Amen. Just try it. Amen. Amen. Or um, amen. Amen. Any combination of the syllables will do. But by saying amen, or amen, or amen, we are saying, we're, are we saying, what are we saying? <laughs> What am I saying? Are we saying, yes, I know everything in this creed to be accurate and true? Uh, or is it just an add-on? Yeah, that'd be good to add amen at the end. That sounds like a good Christian thing to do. I mean, how do we even know when a prayer ends if we don't say amen? Um, my daughter, who is 10, we were praying before bed just th- this week, actually, and she said to me, why do you, Dad, why did you say amen to your own prayer? If amen means I agree, why did you say I agree? I'm like, who are you? Just let me pray. <laughs> but I think she brings up a good question. What does it mean when we say a amen? Well, here's some definitions. What we're saying when we say this is we are saying I agree. If something sounds good, if it resonates with you, in you, say Amen. And in the sermon, if you'd like to say amen out loud, we could get a little Pentecostal this morning. Say amen. All right, a couple of you. Um, Nelson, sorry, I, don't, I didn't ask for your permission on this, but he said this morning in choosing the songs, I want, can I say this? <laughs> I want to choose songs that either have the word amen in it, or they make you want to say amen. Like, that's a good, that's a good grid to go through. I think that's great. But yeah, this sense of I agree. It can also mean, so be it. Uh, And I think of this as a bit more somber, maybe. Like Jesus, uh, thinking about him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed not to go through the experience of the cross, but ultimately said to his Father in heaven, your will be done, not mine. In a sense, amen, so be it. Uh, It can also mean truly uh, an authorization of the truth. This is true. Jesus, if you look through the Gospels, often said this, truly, truly, I tell you. Uh, you could also translate that, amen, amen, I tell you. I think we're saying a mixture of all these things when we say amen. Um, it's, this is very interesting. I heard someone say when reciting the creed that we're talking about, uh, when they get to the part about the virgin birth, they cross their fingers. And my first thought was like, that's the only part you cross your fingers? Like just, like does the rest of it make perfect sense to you? Just that one part, I just kind of put my hand behind. I really hope. But this last word, amen, I think maybe is where the finger crossing is needed. Um, It's like instead of amen, we should be saying, oh man, I really hope so. I and if we're honest, don't we all feel that? A bit of, of like a flicker of doubt when we're reciting these deep mysteries of our faith. Can anyone here really say amen with all their heart? Oh, and the good news is I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to muster up faith and say "I believe, amen, even though there's a, maybe a flicker of doubt. It's not just linked to our own will, our own ability to feel or to believe, but our faith is linked to Christ's faith. Check out Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. If you have a chair Bible, you can go there on page 803. first chapter of the second letter to the Corinthians, which some argue is actually the third or fourth letter to the Corinthians, but these are the ones we have uh, documented. So chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, Paul is speaking. Was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does this mean? I think, I think Eugene Peterson helps us in the message when he says this, paraphrasing this scripture. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together. I love that. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. Uh, ben Myers says this, he's someone we've read on, uh, on the Apostles' Creed, a beautiful little book, I think it's just called The Apostles' Creed by Ben Myers. He says this, the whole creed is about God's action, God's agency, God's initiative. Even at the end when we pronounce the amen, we are drawing not on our own resource but God's. We are participating in the action of Jesus who looks into the face of God and sees all God's ways and works and says, yes, amen. When we say the creed, we echo his mighty and eternal amen with our own small, hopeful voices. It's through Jesus Christ. We even pray this every Sunday. I don't know if you knew this. In the Collect, we say these words, and here's a copy of the Collect today, I believe. Just take out the word, look for the words here. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, is, that's, that's what we're saying, through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. Who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. But we're saying this every Sunday. We're saying that our Amen, our Amen, our Amen is through Jesus Christ. Can anyone say Amen to that? The plan of this morning is we're going to do uh, something a little different. We're going to have a, a brief summary of the creed. So I, got, I was super blessed, and I really enjoyed just going through the whole series, each line of the creed, and basically adding a little footnote, a quote, an image from all of the sermons that we've been uh, doing on this. Uh, so I'm going to go through those. We're going to do a summary, and then we're going to do some sharing. And so this is where you come in. I don't want to be the only one speaking this morning. I want to invite you, if there's something that you're hearing Either the Spirit has been teaching you or showing you today, maybe you're a guest today, and you've, this is your first time hearing about the Apostles' Creed, you can speak into this as well, or you've been a part of every single sermon on the Apostles' Creed, which I don't know if anyone here can say that. That's okay. Um, but if you've been here since the beginning or just joining today, be listening. What are, what are the things that the Spirit is trying to highlight through this creed, through these statements of faith? and we're going to share a little bit later. So that is coming, and then we'll have a time of response as we do singing and coming to the table. So before we do the summary of the creed, I want to give a few words of preface and reminder as we head into this reflection. First is that, and we've said this phrase a few times, that we are, when we come to the creed, walking backward into the future. The idea that we're moving forward with a view of where we've come from, the story that we're a part of. So time doesn't begin now, and we're going ahead. Time has been going. This is the work of God through Jesus, empowered by His Spirit, and we're joining in with that. So we're walking backward into the future. Um, Also, a quick word about the one-two-threes of theology. These are things that we've talked about within our community If you're not familiar with them, there's a clear outline of what the one, two, threes of theology are on our website under the partnership section. You can read about it. But it's this idea that the ones are these things uh, which are at the heart of what we believe as a church and as followers of Jesus. These are core to the Christian faith. Number three is those things which maybe we see differently on. Maybe they aren't as explicit in Scripture And they're things we choose to hold loosely, while in the middle of this, the twos, is our unity and our commitment to holding unity together despite of our differences, in spite of our differences. So what are the ones of theology? That's been what we've set out to answer in this series. The ones of theology is, I think, attached to this creed that we're going to be looking at again, the Apostles' Creed. And also, uh, by way of a third preface, uh, we got to read an Anne Lamont quote. And this is maybe helps us with our attitude coming into today. She says, um, the amen is only as good as the attitude. If you are trying to finish up quickly so you can check your cell phone messages, you're missing the chance to spend quiet moments with the giver of life and the eternal, which means you may reap continued feelings of life racing along without you. So as Samuel Beckett admonished us to fail again and fail better, we try to pray again and pray better for slightly longer and with slightly more honesty, breathing more deeper and with more attention. I love that bit. That the amen is only as good as the attitude. And uh, just maybe a good reminder for us this morning as we come in to the create again, we come into these statements, what is our, what is our attitude coming into this? All right, so back to the plan. Summary, this is where we're going right now. Okay, is everyone with me? Okay, if two people are with me, that's fine. We can keep going. Um, so like I said, I'm going to recite these statements, and you're going to help me. We're going to say the the each of the statements of the creed together, and then I have a brief, either a quote, a statement, or an image, just to kind of remind us, hopefully maybe trigger some things that um, that we remember about this creed and about the certain statements of it. So with that in mind, are we ready? And can we pray before we do this? Uh, so I just have to, I have to say again or reiterate, it's not like a typical sermon where I'm giving points or reading stuff. I'm going to go through every line of the creed. You're like, yeah, I get it. No, no but we're going through every line of the creed, and I'm going to just focus on a few things to help us remember. That's what's happening right now. Okay? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, we ask you, first of all, for help to just be present in this moment and not dismiss an opportunity to hear from you. I thank you that you are already here. You've already been speaking and transforming hearts, and you are present. So we, with our little small voice and our small hope, we come to you and we say, God, would you speak again? Come Holy Spirit. As we go through each of these statements again, I uh, just want to ask, what are you saying to us, God? What are you saying to this church? What are you saying to us as individuals? And we just ask for your help to highlight the things that need to be highlighted, uh, to help us focus our eyes on the things that we need to see. Give us all uh, teachable attitudes and um, open hearts this morning. Amen. All right. Let's say the first line together. It's the first two words. I believe. Uh, belief in this doesn't mean we're turning a blind eye to reasonable, verified facts in order to remain religious. When we say, I believe, and we've said this a lot, we are saying that we are believing into actively trusting, living in a relationship of commitment toward. Second statement, in God the Father Almighty. The first person of the Trinity, Father, and I think it's worth saying, speaks not to the gender of God. God transcends gender and the body. Rather, it speaks to the gracious acceptance of us as his children, of a good, good Father who is with us. And for us, and Almighty reflects God's power, wisdom, and unending source uh, of abundant life. And what an awesome combination, Father Almighty. Next statement, Let's say it together. Maker of heaven and earth. I was drawn to this quote by Makoto Fujimura. Fujimura, yep. Yeah. He said. We serve a creator God, and this creator created us to also be creative. In the same way that God gave Adam the authority to name the animals in Genesis 2, God invites his children to co create within God's parameters. We cannot create ex nihilo, meaning we can't create from nothing, but we are all artists with a small a, and we are asked to work through our brokenness and fears. We are created for love. And love is creative. So what would happen if every single person who follows his creator asked the same question? What do I want to create? And further, what if we became an ambassador to the world to help ask, what do you want to create? And how can I help you? What if we answered this question filled with the creative Holy Spirit of God every moment that we are awake and helped others to do the same? Would we have a world more beautiful, compassionate, caring, and daring? Would we see our occupations differently? Would we see our universities differently? Would we see our motherhood, our fatherhood, our brotherhood, and sisterhood differently? Next statement. I believe in Jesus, God's only Son, our Lord. Karl Barth once said, God has not revealed himself in any religion, including Christianity. He has spoken in his son, Jesus Christ. So to believe into Jesus is to see him as the following. Ah, next slide. Next one. There we go. To believe in Jesus is to see him as advocate, author, and finisher, bridegroom, deliverer, redeemer, good shepherd, great high priest, Messiah, horn of salvation, great physician, son of man, son of God, Emmanuel, king of kings, uh, prince of peace, mediator, second Adam, resurrected Lord, lamb of God, ransom, atoning sacrifice, victor, bread of life, chief cornerstone, true vine, way and the truth and the life, Alpha and Omega, the prophet who is priest and who is king, Jesus, name above all names. And if you were there that Sunday, Lance helped us, these two statements, I think that Jesus is Lord, I am not. Jesus is Lord, the church is not. And uh, maybe you remember this image. That Jesus is about the list before, the list of things that I read. He didn't come to condemn, but he came to love. He came to save. Next statement. Who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? Nadia Boltz Weber said, I also understand why believing in the virgin birth can seem like believing in a fairy tale, and not anything Anyone would believe who actually uses human reason and listens to the requisite hours of NPR. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Nelson helped us in this sermon to welcome the Holy Spirit as Mary had welcomed us. And in Nelson's words, to welcome the Spirit is to say yes to the Spirit's primary work of forming Christ in you, even as he did in Mary. Next statement. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. This is a reminder, like Jesus showed us with religious and political leaders over and over again, and certainly with Pilate, we are encouraged to reread our relationship to power. Philip Yancey, power, no matter how well-intentioned, tends to cause suffering. Love, being vulnerable, absorbs it. In a point of convergence on a hill called Calvary, God renounced the one for the sake of the other. Next, was crucified, died, descended into hell. Just want to pause on this image. Some versions say he descended into death. Brian Zond, uh, he said, the cross is both the awful crescendo of human sin and the sublime apex of divine grace. The cross is beautiful because it is the place where sin as a singularity is absorbed, forgiven, and transformed into reconciliation. So to believe into the crucifixion is... To place yourself not beyond the cross, not above the cross, but in the cross. To get involved in crucifixion, your whole self, your sin, and your redemption. Next statement. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. A quote from Richard Rohr, to believe in resurrection is to trust in dying. Obviously, it's not easy to die or to let things die. It requires trust. Jesus said, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Next statement. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Again, Brian Zahn, the ascension of Christ does not lead to the absence of Christ, but to his cosmic presence everywhere. This is why the risen Christ says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In the ascension, Christ now fills all things everywhere with himself. There is no place where Christ is not, and there is no domain over which Christ is not Lord. Next statement. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. James 4.11 says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Three statements that I want to, remind us of from this uh, sermon. Jesus is judge, and I'm not, you're not, they're not, the church is not. Only Jesus holds justice and love together in perfect symmetry, full of grace and truth, and God's judgment looks like Jesus. The cross is once again our definition. Next statement, the third person of the Trinity, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And again, from Barbara Brown Taylor. There's some very fine teaching available in the Holy Spirit, and I hope none of you is satisfied with it. I hope none of you rest until you have felt the Holy Spirit blow through your own life, rearranging things, opening things up, and maybe even setting your own head on fire. There's nothing you can do to make it happen, as far as I know, except to pray, come, Holy Spirit, every chance you get. If you don't want anything to change in your life, then for heaven's sake, don't pray that. But if you're the type of person who likes to stand out on the porch when there's a storm moving through so you can feel the power that is pushing the trees around, then you are probably a good candidate for the Holy Spirit prayer. And the Holy Spirit's activity as we see in Scripture is this, that the Holy Spirit convicts and guides, regenerates, reveals, empowers, fills, calls, teaches, anoints, washes, renews, Unifies, seals, guarantees, speaks, comforts, heals, transforms, cries, gives, makes, reminds, moves. Next statement The Holy Catholic Church, the Communion of Saints. This, of course, the Catholic Church being the universal church, not the Catholic Church, big C. The Church of all ages. And the good news is directed not primarily to individuals here, but to a community. Ben Myers, again, the body of Christ is the most inclusive community imaginable because it includes not only those who are now living, but also all believers who have ever lived. Awesome. Next statement, the forgiveness of sins. I just have to pause here and show this image. Stephanie Ratcliffe as a young child. And I love this because like, <laughs> like forgiveness, uh, it is real, it's raw, it's tangible. And Steph just so beautifully brought in her own personal story in her life. And talking about forgiveness, I think this is, this is what it comes down to. This is the real work of Christianity, is forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's with real people. Forgiveness is the act, and this is what Stephanie said the forgiveness is the act of making the rough places smooth and the crooked places straight. Barbara Brown Taylor again. If God answered Jesus' prayer from the cross, which we should fervently hope God did, if we have indeed been forgiven, then that is the end of it. The end of all the blaming, all the scapegoating, all the getting even, all the revenge. He died to put an end to all of that. He volunteered to be the last victim so that his followers would never make victims out of anyone else again. He even gave us a prayer to pray if we should ever find our own hands hammered down. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Next statement. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Almost there. 1 Corinthians 15, if all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty story lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. And Nelson helped us with this, and he said, when we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, we are affirming the positive value of the material. When we say, I believe in the resurrection of the body, we are confessing both a future hope and a present reality. And I got to quote uh, Nellie B. again here. Big Nelly, as he was known at uh, art camp this week. Uh, but he said in his sermon, Eternal life is the quality of life we can know firsthand here and now when we remain connected to the source of all life. Next statement, and let's say it all together. Amen. 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 Thank you. We should say it three times now. That's a triune amen. Finally, I, I've got to read this quote again. Just a reminder that it is through Jesus we say our amen. Ben Myers, the book of Revelation goes so far as to name him the amen, the faithful and true witness. In him, the amen to God has become personified. And so at the end of the creed, we join our voices to his. What else could we do? And allow ourselves to be caught up in Jesus' own response to God. I believe. Amen. And all to the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thank you for walking with me through that barrage, that, uh, that summary. Now time comes the time for sharing. And I feel absolutely no pressure, and I hope you do not, to have anyone speak at all. We could just pause here for a moment. And I would be completely fine with that. But I do want to open up the mic. If there's anything going on, if there's anything um, that you're hearing that you might feel open to sharing with the rest of us. And what time is it now? It is 11.30. We can go for as little as ending now. Like, I'll give it a minute. But we can end now or we can share a bit. And we got about 15 minutes here where we can... uh, just kind of exhale again. We've gone through a lot of content. And like I said, these are the, these are the lists of the steps on the wall. We, we're learning to dance with it. We're learning to live it out, believe into these things as a community and as individuals. But what are you hearing? What are you encouraged by? Where have you felt Jesus be your amen when your amen has felt really small? Um, what is God saying to you? What is he teaching you? Uh, I'm curious, is there anyone that would want to share?